your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We appreciate your support, and if you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. It doesn't cost you a single cent and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's podcast, I thought there were a couple of things that would be worth discussing. One of them just kind of came out of the blue as I was watching Vancouver versus uh, Colorado. Obviously a bit of a Western Conference matchup. Nothing really relevant for the Jets other than, I guess, the Avs still kind of being mediocre. But it kind of got me thinking about the organizational failure that has put Vancouver in the spot and some of the news stories that came out. And I thought I would talk about at least some of the market inefficiencies and stuff that really exist in the NHL and why I think teams like Vancouver aren't really that uncommon. After that, though, I did want to continue a fun series really looking at the top performers of this early start to the season. There are so many players to go through. A couple of them are just really dominating in their positions, some performing at such a high level that, you know, I don't really imagine them to be capable of sustaining it just because it's so flippin' good that it, it can't last, but... Maybe they actually do it for a season. We'll find out and see which of these uh, these players might actually be the real deal. But first off, let's talk about the Canucks. And uh, watching this game, I think you can see a couple of key trends with this team. For one thing, Vancouver's just sort of average. And I think that that's one of the biggest struggles that they've had over the past couple of years. At times, they're actually worse than average. I think they've just been really bad. Um, but on the whole, if you compare them against at least on paper, other NHL teams, and certainly comparable division rivals, Vancouver is just like a very middle-of-the-road team. There's not a whole lot there to work with. And a lot of it is because they just kept signing really bad contracts and acquiring players who are kind of dead weight. You know, you've got Tyler Myers, who maybe several years ago when he was first a rookie in the NHL had some real quality value, and there was a time when he was with the Jets where he was actually okay. But if you were giving him like five, six million dollars a season for multiple seasons, that was already one of your first mistakes. And like the Myers deal wasn't even the first defense for this franchise. Vancouver under Jim Benning has just continually been something of a a disaster, but one that's very typical of the league. I think this team often exemplifies all of the worst concepts and understandings of, of things like grit and determination and stuff. It gets conflated with competitiveness, and I think that that's been a particular issue with the Canucks, who keep signing a lot of guys to a lot of money, and these players are like third and fourth liners. You can occasionally sign a really good bottom six player to a longer term, more expensive deal, but you really need to make that a rarity. And I think that's where someone like, say, Tampa Bay really excels. When you look at their roster, there's just not a lot of cap hits that are tied up in bad players. You could argue that guys like Bogosian maybe not so effective, but you look at the depth lines at forward and stuff, and it's it's a very deep team. Even when they lose a player, either on waivers or in a trade or something, they find another player who's willing to step up and, and honestly fill that role almost to perfection. I even look at the Jets this offseason and see a team that 
quite honestly made a lot of much smarter, more intelligent decisions than we're used to. Oftentimes we get really gritty players who, you know, as hard as they work, they just don't really have the kind of on-ice impacts that I think Paul Maurice expects them or imagines them to be. And so I look at Vancouver as like the worst outcome of what all of this poor analysis leads to. But what I'm kind of amused by is that there was this report about Benning meeting with ownership and ownership being surprised and shocked by the results. And yet there's no way that they couldn't see this coming, right? I think that meeting honestly had a very different message and it was like, turn it around or it's your job. I mean, it could have been the same message for either version, right? But I think that was more of the takeaway. I don't think that they're maybe all that surprised by this team. Everyone can kind of see into a team, especially as outsiders, you know, we can all see that they've struggled to build a a true contender. And this can happen to any NHL team. It frequently happens to some franchises that you would be surprised to see fall victim to uh, overvaluing grit and, and heart and all of those good in the room kinds of players. Even the Jets have been victims of this in part because, you know, Maurice really likes these types. He thinks they're reliable and dependable. But as the game continues to evolve and we understand more about what constitutes positive value in this league, I think you have to really be honest and say there aren't many teams that get it right. And those that do tend to be the ones that are continually playoff contenders. Pittsburgh is one of those examples. I know that this year they look really rough around the edges, but I mean, it's it's mostly due to COVID outbreaks and stuff. So I don't really feel like that's a fair reflection. If that team was healthy, they would be, again, in the top uh, top rung of the standings. They're just that good consistently. And under Mike Sullivan, he understands what kinds of players work under his system, how to make the most of them, and how to find good balance across your lines. Vancouver doesn't really have any sort of balance. They've got a couple of really talented, even franchise talents. Uh, Some of those guys are actually underperforming right now. Hard to say it's really their fault. I think the conditions right now for, for the Canucks are just really poor. And there has to be a lot of tension in the locker room. I'm sure fingers are being pointed. But for anyone to say that this is surprising is just silly. I think anyone who's honestly evaluating the situation that Vancouver has created for itself, they'd be quick to recognize that the the warning signs have been there for the entire time. And that's something that I think a lot of people who say, you know, non-players and non-pros can't commentate on the sport and understand basic roster construction and and the job that these GMs do. Well, in some areas you do have a point, but by the same token, you you know, this is an outcome-based business. And I think teams like Vancouver are, you know, near the bottom consistently in terms of performance. So you have to kind of work with what you're given. And if what you're given is consistently poor results in all facets of the game, it's pretty okay to call a spade a spade. And I think in a lot of ways, Vancouver was kind of what I was worried the Jets would one day become. Winnipeg, for the most part, has avoided a lot of this, although some of the contracts that they've given out for loyalty may be a little bit questionable. It's it's hard to really argue against loyalty deals, especially for, like, franchise lifers like Wheeler. I, I get it from, like, a personnel and human perspective. I think he's just one of those guys that you have to resign, even though, logistically speaking, and in terms of the on-ice performance aspect, it's, it's probably a pretty bad deal. But the Jets have generally avoided attaching themselves to too many of these. And I think that's where they've differed and and really been able to find a lot of success, especially in the margins. You know, Andrew Kopp, um, Adam Lowry, some of these other players that have come through over the years, many of them have played on pretty cheap deals and they've provided immense value. So going forward, I think a lot of teams need to kind of look at some of these examples in teams like Vancouver especially squads that have tried to build through free agency and often maybe prioritize the wrong kind of player. 
this should be a warning sign, and I, I don't think it will. I think the NHL is still often too rooted in a lot of very old-school kind of thought processes about this stuff. When you see how regressive their attitudes about a lot of other social issues are, you know, it's not really shocking that the actual game itself is thought of in very antiquated terms, but my hope is that the next generation of younger players can kind of lead the charge and really look towards changing the way the sport operates and, and really getting rid of some of the old boys club stuff. I think that would be a good step in not only changing the culture of the sport, but also improving the on-ice product. Now, for as much as I just lambasted the Canucks for being a very poor team, not everyone on that roster has actually been doing all that poorly, and I'll highlight one of those top young players who I think has really made a difference and somebody who's really caught my eye in just a moment. Before then, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about why Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good. So stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thank you for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. We're talking a little bit about some of the top players and performers this season. It has been a very crazy year to start, and I think a lot of people might be wondering, you know, Who's actually for real? Which of these players is capable of sustaining some of these crazy levels of performance? And while I did just rag on Vancouver earlier in this show, I kind of wanted to circle back to the Canucks because I feel like oftentimes the really great young talents that are on this team get overshadowed by just how bad the rest of the squad is. And one of those talents that's really been lighting it up this year and in previous seasons uh, is Niels Hoaglander. And Hoaglander kind of exploded on the season last year. I think a lot of people... Um, or maybe a bit caught by surprise by just how good he was. Hoaglander, though, when he was in Sweden, he just was a natural finisher, and he was such a pain because he's got a low center of gravity, his offensive positioning is astoundingly good, he understands space really well, he just knows how to get into those most dangerous areas and really finish those chances. He's great on the rush, he's great in, in passing, his vision is there, I mean, he's just a guy that you really want on your team. Niels will be one of Vancouver's top offensive threats for this uh, franchise for years to come, and I feel like his game, it's like you took a really pesky version of Ehlers and kind of maybe gave him some, like, Marchand um, DNA or something. I think that's the closest thing I could compare him to. Uh, you know, Hoaglander isn't quite as physically aggressive or anything, but certainly he's not afraid to mix it up, and yet he's also very comfortable, you know, skating end-to-end -end with beautiful strides, incredible acceleration, just all of the aspects that make him such an absolute offensive menace, and then you attach that to some great stick handling and shooting. It just makes Hoaglander the really complete threat, and he's somebody that I actually enjoy watching a lot. I feel like... Um, he and Connor Garland are actually very similar players. I will say that I think in a lot of ways, Hoaglander 
maybe just has that little bit more of a technical edge. But, you know, Garland himself is an awesome player. I think Connor has been an excellent acquisition. Probably one of the few good moves um, that uh, Vancouver has made over the past couple of years. It's just a shame it's probably not going to cover up for the rest of the team's struggles. Now, I talked a lot about skaters uh, as being the top performers over the past couple of episodes, but I kind of wanted to circle back and talk about goalies. And goalies are always like a really hot button issue because it's really hard to figure out which of them are actually good. This year, one of the true top performers in this league has been Carter Hart. And I know that Hart, for a lot of folks, was considered a top-end prospect. I I think his NHL performance has been pretty uneven. And even at his best, you're kind of looking at a guy who can be a very good NHL starter. But I don't know if the the sheer level of quality that he's doing for uh, Philadelphia right now is is something that he's going to sustain. I mean, he's just robbing goals left and right. That Philadelphia defense is not very good. And yet Hart has been backstopping them repeatedly to very close victories and, and certainly stealing a few points here and there. I think he was rated at having somewhere around 13 or 14 goals saved above expectation, which, what, like 12, 13 games into the season? That's honestly insane. You would see that from like a really good goalie over the course of the entire year. This is, of course, being a very small sample size, so it's difficult to read into those results, but Hart having a big rebound year. I thought would be possible, but I didn't think the rebound would be, you know, in the conversation of like a Vezina candidate. I thought he'd rebound to more like at least league average, if not above average, something like that. Uh, But his performance this year, just crazy. Also crazy is Sergei Bobrovsky. I think a lot of us kind of wrote him off after the injuries and stuff and all of the Columbus performances that first season in Florida, not so great. He looks like a Vezina finalist right now, and I feel like If this performance from him holds, Florida will be the team to beat this year. They just really don't seem to have many weaknesses. And Bobrovsky is, you know, that he's that final piece that championship teams need. When you struggle on the ice to create, your goalie is really your last ditch effort. He's the guy that can carry you through some bad stretches. Just ask the Jets. But, you know, that Panthers team is is deep at forward. They're deep on defense. Uh, and, and they have, you know, one of the truly elite goalies this year. So I, I, I think they might really be one of the true favorites for the cup. Um, the other team that's a, a clear favorite is Carolina. And guess what? They also have one of the top performing goalies in net. This one being Frederick Anderson. Freddie has been sensational. And I can't say that I was expecting that necessarily. It's not like Carolina's defense has been as dominant as they were in previous seasons either. Uh, Anderson just seems to be fitting in really well, and he's been decently busy, so it's not like his workload is light. He's saving quite a few goals above expectation, which is, of course, very impressive, especially this early into the season. But if this current trend holds and ultimately Carolina and Florida face each other in a postseason matchup, I don't even want to begin to call which team would actually win out on that one. We're not even, you know, a quarter of the way through the season yet, so... It's a little bit too early to get too excited about these small sample sizes and the early returns on performance, but Anderson and Bobrovsky having really resurgent years behind teams that are already very good. Yeah, there's a pretty decent chance the cup champ is going to be from the East again. It feels like the West this year, while pretty fun and competitive and good, it's it's not quite on the level of quality that the, the rest of the East is, so we'll see how they match up uh, several months from now. But uh, I actually wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the top skaters from this league. I've spent a little bit of time talking about uh, a couple of teams and certainly some goalies, but I kind of wanted to go back to at least my favorite bread and butter, you know, defenders, to be honest. 
Before we examine Blue Liners, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about BetOnline.ag and why they should be the only place you do your online betting. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Into another sport? No problem. BetOnline has your back with European football, soccer, NASCAR, MLS, MLB, NBA, every kind of sport imaginable is at your fingertips. Go to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From all your favorite sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so start your winning path today. Sign up for a free account at BetOnline.ag and don't forget promo code LOCKEDON at registration. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are uh, talking about some of the top performers this year, and I wanted to talk about some interesting defenders who are seemingly having resurgent years, um, maybe some breakout seasons or campaigns that at least are maybe catching some folks by surprise. And one of those names that even I'm a little bit surprised by is Sami Niku. I've always appreciated his skill set, and I think Niku is a very fun, very talented player. But if you told me that he would actually be at least NHL caliber, at times even very good for uh, the Montreal Canadiens, I would not have believed you. And not because I didn't think Niku could do it, but partly because, well, his career has suffered a bit of a, a bit of a downward spiral with the Jets, right? And he definitely needed a change of scenery. Finally gets it, but going to Montreal right now is not exactly the kind of career movement that I would imagine somebody to find success with. You know, the Canadians might play a little bit more of a style that suits Niku, but that team itself is very, very bad. And so for Niku to actually be performing, you know, maybe somewhere in like a second pairing performance, well, at least relative to his teammates, uh, it's it's a bit surprising, I have to say. I'm very happy for Niku. I think it's a big deal for him and certainly... You know, we, we want to see him continue to thrive because in some ways it serves as a cautionary tale for the Jets to not just let these guys languish in the minor leagues and not really give them a shot. You know, you got to you gotta trust your kids and trust the talent sometimes. And I think that's something that Winnipeg at times in previous years, they've, they've struggled to deal with. So let your young talents do what they do best. On the other end of the age spectrum, we've got uh, Roman Yossi again having another very strong season. He's just always a, a top-end scorer for the Preds usually one of their top points performers, to be honest. I honestly don't know how much that says about the Preds or Yossi's ability. I, I think that's, you know, I'm being a bit sarcastic here, right? Obviously, Yossi's great. Nashville's probably the more mediocre of the uh, options here, but, you know, Yossi, I, I used to be a little bit harsh on him. I thought his defensive impact wasn't great, but over the past couple of years, he's changed his game. Maybe age has wisened him up a bit to some of the stuff that he needs to adapt and adjust in his game in order to be a more effective two-way defender. And even in his veteran age, he just continues to thrive. So, you know, Yossi, uh, I know that at one point he was thought to be overrated, but finally his reputation actually matches what he does on the ice. The last defender I find very interesting is Chris Tanev. And I don't know that I've thought about Tanev as a top performer in some time, but with the Flames... Tanev seems to be refining his footing, and I think that's a really big deal. You know, Tanev, in his best prime years for the Canucks, was a shutdown D. He might not give you a lot offensively, and certainly he was not one of those guys that generated many scoring opportunities, but 
in terms of a big physical presence who was positionally sound, who could make clean zone exits, and who just really shut down areas in front of the goaltender. I mean, Tanev was one of the best guys at doing this. And once again, he looks like he's turning into another shutdown season with, you know, a partner in, in Shillington that I think makes a very interesting duo. You've got Oliver, who's having a breakout offensive season. You've got Tanev, who serves as like a safety valve. You know, that's that's a very fun pairing. And it's the kind of thing that I think the Jets could use a little bit more of. That sort of D pairing balance doesn't really exist in Winnipeg. And so, you know, the Jets are going to be taking a lot more chances. But Shillington, Tanev, those guys are having very big seasons. Tanev, it's kind of neat to see. I, I think playing with Vancouver probably changes a person, but... You know, with the Flames, they they seem to have found a really good top four balance in their D pairings. The last guy that I think deserves a, a bit of a mention is actually a Jet and somebody that at times I've I've been critical of in the past because you know he is one of our highest paid defenders and I, I felt like in previous years he just really wasn't performing at a level of a top end D and that's Josh Morrissey. You know, I, I I have a lot of sympathy for Josh and I think the past year or so has been very difficult for him. Um, but before that, and, and certainly in previous seasons, I, I could also kind of see that first pairing role that he was assigned also weighing on him. And then on top of that, you add a lot of the off-ice stuff that he and his family have been going through. And I, I kind of thought he might even have to take some time off. Uh, Josh has said that he wants to use this as a a vehicle for him to, to cope and, and deal with the loss of his father. And I, I really don't even know how I would respond in a situation like that. But this year, it really feels like with Nate Schmidt in tow, Morrissey has been able to find himself again, and I think that's really good. You know, the Jets have, they haven't really had Morrissey at his best in a long time. And I think Morrissey just needs this, at least for his mental health and for his well-being. It's It's been a very difficult past couple of years, um, and I'm sure the stuff that happened over this past summer, it's been in the back of his mind constantly. And so for him to have positive body language, to be scoring again, to be having fun, I think more than anything, that's what I've wanted to see. I know that, you know, obviously I will criticize players who who do struggle on the ice, but it's not because I don't want them to thrive. It's more like it's it's actually difficult to watch them struggle. You want them to do better. You want them to succeed. And sometimes they just don't. But Morrissey now seems like he's having a lot more fun. His body language and, and expression seem to be more positive. I know he's not like the most outwardly joyous person on the ice, but you can kind of tell when he's feeling happier and this feels like the first time in a while where maybe some of that pressure has started to lift off of his shoulders and for the Jets that can only be a good thing and I think for Morrissey too it can only be a positive experience so I'm happy for him I'm happy that this season has seen a big offensive return to form even if his defending might still be an issue at least offensively he's able to contribute he's able to be a really valuable member and he can have fun and enjoy hockey so you know I'm happy for Josh and I think for everyone involved, it's just a win-win situation. There are plenty of other players who are having, you know, big rebound seasons and certainly some career years, but we'll save those for future episodes. We'll keep the list of league performers up to date as the season kind of comes and goes. We'll have, I'm sure, plenty of changes in the scoring races and all that. But for tonight's episode, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets. They're your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today hosted by Yearbook Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.